seven kids, one marriage and one estate agency with 300 properties under management. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Good to be here. Lovely. Right. Okay. So when did you guys meet up then? The first time, oh, back in 99 at a Valentine's party in Huddersfield, of okay. all places. How old were you then? 22? 20. No, we were 21. 21. Thank you. Yeah, 21. Okay. Still. So why are you both in Huddersfield? Because from your accents, you're certainly not from Huddersfield. Julie had a house in Huddersfield that um, she was looking to sell. So living in Nottingham at the time, but moving back to Huddersfield to sort our affairs out. Uh, and I was going down to a, a, a party with a friend who was a mutual friend of Julie's from London. And, uh-huh. and it just... You met the first time and fell in love? No, <laughs> to be honest, um, I only took his number because he lived in Sunderland and my dad's originally from Sunderland, so I've got a lot of family there and I just thought, oh, it'd be great to hook up if I was ever up in, up in Sunderland. Bored. Yeah, if, if I was up there and needed somebody to hang out with, so I took his number and it was my housemate who just pestered me to ring him, um, which, which I did. And then about four and a half hours later, phone call ended and I was just kind of like, oh, that, that's weird. Because <laughs> it just felt so natural. Back in the day when you had phone calls, you know, attached yeah. to the end of a big long cable and a phone sitting on the floor in your mum's house. <laughs> so at the time, you were at McDonald's, weren't you? No, Julie was no. at McDonald's. So I, I was, yeah, so I, I'd been working at McDonald's. I transferred back to Nottingham when so, I moved back. So you were at uni in Huddersfield, were you then? Yeah, so what, I was at what, university in Huddersfield. What were you reading there, then? Um, I was doing textile design. Okay. So completely nothing to do with whatever I've done. Did you really. fancy a little bit of the old... No, well, I'd done textile design. Um, I'd taken a year out. I travelled a bit, um, and I was working at McDonald's. I bought a house because I fell out with our landlord. <laughs> so I went right. I'm buying my own, as you do at 19 years old. And you could do it then, couldn't you? Well, you could. I, I, I still look back, and I'm like, Flip. I wish we'd held on to that thing. Yeah. I know. I bought my first 18, house. Eighteen thousand pounds. Eighteen <laughs> grand. <laughs> But yeah, no, so I did, did that. Yeah, but 7, 7% mortgage yeah. rate mm-hmm. back, back in the day. So no, I'd moved back to London, um, moved back to Nottingham and um, I'd uh, just gone back up to Huddersfield to sort out getting the house sold um, and things and just putting things in place, really. And the, just coincided that it was at the party and that's where we met. Yeah. And the rest, the rest is history. history. Got married quite quickly, didn't you? Just a bit. Fairly quickly. From meet from that first phone call to actually getting married. So well, the first meet was twelfth of twelfth of Feb, and wedding was on the twenty second of May. May, the same year. So and, and we didn't see each other for four weeks after that first meeting. So was a shotgun wedding, was it? Like, like no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Although a lot of people did say, like, who no. should get married to because they weren't quite sure <laughs> they hadn't no, really no. met you. What? Why did you make the decision to get married so quickly? We've always, well, as it, as it turns out, we've always, I wouldn't say we've been impulsive because we're not, but no. once we've got an idea, we can, we run with it, we don't mess around, we just get on with it. And the thought of, because I wasn't driving at the time, so the thought of getting on buses and trains to Nottingham every weekend was just like, oh, this is ridiculous. And actually, I'd gone down, I was speaking to Julie's dad, who was thinking of starting an art gallery. So I'd gone down to see Julie's dad. He quite liked the idea of me running the art gallery, and he was going to have an apartment above it. So I'd gone down to 
tell Julie, you know, here's the good news, I'm moving down to Nottingham. That's what, mm-hmm. I, what I thought was amazing news. She's just like, is that all? That's not commitment. <laughs> so... To be fair, he had told me that things were in... Ha- I, I, I think we both knew that we were going to get married and I was expecting... Within a, a couple of pre- months, within weeks. We, we did, yeah. We just, we just knew. I, I think... Mean, I mean, they reckon that... Uh, within seven weeks is too quick and seven years is too long. You obviously were going for the seven weeks, right? You were right at the limit, weren't you? We know, we're ten, so we're at the sweet spot, okay. I guess. Okay. <laughs> no, so I, I just, I knew, I was expecting a proposal, and what I got was, I'll move down and see what happens. And I was like, nah. I still think that's a pretty big commitment. Where does that, <laughs> where does that, that drive or feistiness come from, Julie? Where does it come from? I don't know. Probably, dad. probably my dad. 100% from my dad. But I just, I was just a place in my life where I wasn't prepared to just hang on. I'd Hold been. On a second, you were in your early 20s. Yeah, but I'd. Yeah. Yeah, Welcome but... to my world, Chris. <laughs> did you have a six-year-old's six head on the 22-year-old Well, look, probably, you know, I had my own house. I'd travelled. I'd been working full time. So, yeah, I was young, but I had done quite a bit and I had plans I was looking to do um, some voluntary work overseas and I didn't want to hang around I didn't want to put that on hold for a maybe and I'd so yeah I, I was expecting a proposal and uh, move down and see what happens I was just like no you've we already know that we're going to get married we either do this or we don't and we were initially going to get married in the August and then just the way that things happened I was like, no, that seems too long away. <laughs> and the next date available was May, and that, that's how it all worked out. How did your so. parents feel that it was all a bit quick? I'm not saying that in a bad way, by the way. Well, they were fine. Th- they were fine, except when we moved it from August to May. The panic. The I was in Sunderland yeah. at the time and phoned them and said, oh, we're going to move the wedding forward. And my parents just kind of went, we'll be there. Don't do anything. <laughs> Don't do anything. We're on our way. And then um, they, they drove up. I forgot. And then the next day I went and bought my wedding dress. So and everything was pretty much organised and sorted. And that's a pretty good summary of the last 20. What you made the decision to go for it. Yeah. I think we're, we're quite impatient. If there, isn't, if there isn't a decision to be made, then I am quite... I, I don't necessarily make it, but once it's there and once it, it's right, bang, gone. Done. Do you lack patience, either of you? Yes. She does. I, I guess I do. I think that's why I've got seven kids, though. They're trying to teach me patience. She lacks patience, I and I go with the flow, I think. So you're the grey rock in the stream and let it go over. Until something needs to be done. I'm, I'm, when action needs to be taking place, that's when I kind of really come into my own. Who's the perfectionist between the two? I used to think that I was. No, I'm not. I'm too busy. I'm not a perfectionist. Well, I seek perfection, but I know that I can't achieve it at the same time. So I'm How a... did you square that one? Because it's, it's quite a mature mindset to, to go for you know, excellence as opposed to perfection, because perfection is almost like a mental illness. You'll never get perfection to beat yourself up. I have tortured myself for the last 25 years chasing perfection. But... When did the penny drop? I think when you got really ill, wasn't it? I think the penny dropped about two or three years ago. Which was but... 19, 20. What's that? 2019, 20. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
when it dropped, I realised I'd always known it. So I'm driven by improvement. I'm driven by knowing that there's always something that can be done better. A lot of the work that I did pre pre estate agency was performance. Yeah, you worked for Barclays, didn't you? Is that in was that up north or in Nottingham then? No, so that was so there was a call centre up in 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 Sunderland, huge call centre in in Sunderland, and I'd started there as a team leader in the outbound department. had had quite a lot of experience in kind of outbound calling and stuff like that. Um, and then just, you went through the ranks of I did. team leader. All the commercial business analyst, commercial manager, national performance manager, senior national performance. Oh, there you go. Let's not forget the senior. <laughs> Don't get me started with Barthes and job titles. Extra three grand a year. So, you know, so literally within ten years, yeah, you went from running a group of telephonists yep. all the way through to being head honcho of outbound calling. No, that wasn't an outbound, so by the end, uh, um, my responsibility was the national performance of the Wealth Management and Premier Banking. So, you know... Okay, right. So, so <laughs> that was you. This is all up north. All up north. Yeah, all well, in Sunderland. based out of Sunderland, but obviously a lot of travelling, which was one of the reasons that I ended up leaving, or wanting to leave anyway. Um, so you moved house in 2000, and very quickly, babies started coming... Yeah, so no, Emily was born 2001. Oh. Then, to, well, I, I had three under three. Um, yeah, I had three under three, so I was busy, um, but I was still working at the time. Um, and it was McDonald's, uh, yeah. So, when, when I moved up to Sunderland, um, obviously, I didn't have a job, went into the McDonald's that was there, and they were looking for admin. I had no interest in being floor manager and anymore right. um i was like i was quite happy to do the admin side of things and there's um, a lot of admin at, at mcdonald's there can be yeah big staff turnover so staff um I'd, I'd gone into the actual individual restaurant and i was doing admin in the restaurant um i knew the franchisee owner from when i was down in huddersfield um because he was the regional person there at the time and um they were in the process of getting another restaurant and they so they had a position where they wanted a group admin and I was the natural thing for that. So that yeah, I was working with Jasper and Jackie in their office um with, with them. So having a married couple franchise dynamic, it is what I my working career really has been been around and what I'm used to. And seeing them were great mentors actually. Although does that make me the Jasper to your Jackie then? Because that's quite no. a scary thought. <laughs> Not quite. But how, yeah. are you, how are you balancing that with three children? I and mean, we, we haven't got to seven yet. I was. We just did. We just. We, just, we had. We got so a good was, network, and we had nursery. So when so I was I in the outbound charity. department, a lot. Obviously, when you do an outbound course, it's generally later on. Later on in the evening. So when I was managing that department, it was generally either eleven seven or, or one till nine. Um, so it meant that I could kind of get kids to school in the morning. Julie would. Well, they were all still so really babies. It kind then. of like it, it, it just balanced, and and I think that's the flexibility that we've always had. It's never been a specific, um, apart from the time when we consciously said, you know, we were in a fortunate position that Julie didn't need to work. Um, other than that, it's always been a case of look, there will be times when you need to do this bit and I need to do that bit and yeah. you know it, it was never you have this rule you have that rule you have this rule you have that rule why didn't you need to work just family income we 
we, we didn't need to add. You had a good job. I had a good job. Yeah. We Don't get me wrong, Julie could have gotten an, an, an excellent job and we could have had even more. You'd have spent it there, wouldn't you? I'm a, have you noticed I, how... I think there's more... It's not just about... It's the never been our key driver. Yeah. yeah it, yes, we want to be comfortable, but our children and our family and their needs come first. And obviously their needs are physical needs and being provided with them, but mentally and physically being there and present in their life. And so I'd... Yeah, I think Danny was only, so Danny was our third child. He was quite young. Um, I, I'd left, I just decided that I'd leave. I was doing, uh, through the Princess Trust, I set up paper threads, which was um, using my textile. So I was doing textile, I was like a textile artist and doing wedding stationery and stuff, which suited. I could work around the kids, I could work around home. Um, did that for a couple of years until I had Annabelle. And then I never went back. I think at the time I was thinking, oh, shall I start doing it again? I got very heavily involved in the school um, and PTA. then went to uni. Yeah, yeah, really involved. Yeah, well, we moved, <laughs> we moved a mile and a half so we could be closer to the school. And so I, I could walk to school and Chris could walk to work. So we, we did that whole move just to make our life a little bit easier. In the well, we sat there and was like, we're going to need a second car. Yeah. And why a second car for doing a mile a day? It's like ridiculous. So let's just move out. Yeah. So we, we did. And and then a few years later, when our circumstances changed again and the kids changed schools, we moved back to the house that we originally had. Because we, we never sold it. We just rented it out whilst we bought the other one. So we moved back. And um that was the wholesome of our lettings experience when we opened Managing, Martin yeah. Co. Managing our own property. <laughs> and, Managing and, our own property. And I think you went to university to do a bit of ceramics and glass. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd gone, but it was like, do I do accounts? Do I do like AT, the AAT qualification or do I go to uni? And I went to visit a friend who was doing glass and ceramics in the studio there and just the creative energy and books. Decision was made, wasn't it? Yeah. To, to be fair, yeah, Chris had gone down to London this is another example of us making quick decisions. Chris was at, working in London. I'd seen that it was clearing. I phoned up to say, don't suppose you've got any chance, any spaces on the glass and ceramics. And by the end of the day, I've been offered a place. And, and by the time Chris came home, I was like, oh yeah, I'll start uni next week. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> so that, and, and that worked really well. I, I loved, absolutely loved that time. And, and doing that, got to learn how to blow glass and dealing with hot glass and I loved it. So why aren't you running Barclays and why aren't you doing your ceramics and glass? Because this is the point where you decided, hey, let's go and open a letting agency. <sighs> so you've got to remember the year. So we'd just come out of financial crisis. So yeah. 2009 was the year that we moved to, uh, moved house. Um, and we were there two or three years we were doing the house up and then we'd made the decision to move move back um within barclays there'd been a lot of restructuring yeah, so, so it was constant because of the financial every seven to eight months it was restructure yeah. um, it, it, it was well known that you would go through a restructure every 18 months and generally your middle management would be absolutely massacred um had you got away through had you got through one of them got through uh, two of them 
Yes. And did you think almost oh, second my luck's going to be running out soon? No, no. It, what, you know what it is? We went through one after I'd been there about 10 years and I'd looked at the package and I just looked at it and was like, I'm better off staying. Uh, and then I'd had another promotion um, and I'd been in about 12 and a half, 13 years and I looked at the package and I just thought, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not fussed either way. If, you know, if, if I go, I go. If I stay, I stay. Um, anyway, once came through, it was a very different company by that point. It was very kind of competitive and very kind of aggressive in the market and it just didn't feel right. Um, so re redundancy came up, took it. Um, and so you basically took a nice package, which gave you a bit of a parachute. Took, took a nice package. I looked at that and I thought, right, I've got no idea what I'm going to do. I hate job interview, despise with an absolute passion job interviews. I almost threw away the easiest job interview I, you could ever have for a job that I'd been doing for a year in secondment. Um, and I almost blew that because I just hate. I love talking, but I hate picking myself up. Um, so... I just thought, right, we'll take some time, three months guard or six months guard and leave, one of the two, so a really good package anyway. Um, and then I got a phone call about a month later from one of the people at Bartley's saying, uh, your boss has gone on mat leave, we could really deal with your expertise on some of the projects you were on. Um, so I thought, yeah, well, whatever, we'll do it. And I went back and it was hands down the worst thing I've ever done. Literally every hour felt like a day, every day felt like a week, every week felt like a month. It was just... With me, I, I've got to be emotionally invested. If I'm not emotionally invested, you just don't get even 50%. Well, I think you've got a few pressures on you as well, because we'd moved back, we'd done the extension, Elijah was six due. Baby, six baby. Well, yeah, so baby uh, six was... Uh, so baby six was due in November. having six or seven versus two or three. I know you... The more you have, the easier it gets until right. the hit teenage. The second one, the second one was probably the hardest. Yeah, but it's uh, like you're second. And I sec continued. They always the say the second office is offices. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. Because you're that used to. But it's the same principle. You're that used to committing everything you've got to this one thing, person, business, yeah. kid, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, especially when they're close in age, you're sitting there going. That one needs the nappy changing, but this one's about to take the first step. It's like, what do I do? It's like, well, they poo themselves every day, but they never take the first step every day. So, like, you know, so that's where second child syndrome and all of that comes from. So, you know, it is it is difficult because all of a sudden, instead of giving everything to this one child, you've got to try and share it across the two. Um, and, and then does the third get easier and the fourth? And then it, it does because they then start bringing each other up and helping yeah. each other. And you've got children, unless you're having triplets or whatever. They're at different ages. By the way, if our second child, Amy's listening to this, she'll be sitting there claiming justification for our poor upbringing the entire time. But no, you, you, going from one to two is a big, big transition. Two to three, not as much, but then they outnumber you. And it's like, okay, if you're not going They hold kangaroo court against the decisions that you've made and tried and <laughs> try and overrule you by a jury of their peers. Yeah. But no, I think just I think it's not something I thought about actually, but it's kinda of like staff as well though. When 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 you're by yourself and it's your business, you're in control of absolutely everything, then you bring a member of staff in and you're giving up a little bit of that, but it's great because you can hand some things over and see somebody grow and develop. Then you get to two and three and four. And then you have the interaction between them two and then all yeah, yeah. Man managing, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that people refer to staff as family sometimes because it, it, it is a similar dynamic a lot of the time. Managing all those. Depend on the kind of business and the dynamic that you're trying yeah. to achieve, anyway, it does. So. 
Okay, so actually probably going back to Barclays was a, was a good thing because then you might have looked over your shoulder and weren't sure, but you actually confirmed it wasn't for you. Yeah, 100%. I'd, I'd emotionally gone. I'd realised that, don't get me wrong, I loved the job that I was doing. It was great, but I'd said goodbye to the people. You know, I'd already done my goodbyes. There was a few that had, had, had gone on and stuff like that. And it was just like, I don't know, it, it just wasn't there anymore. That's that spark that drove me on, that, that search for perfection, knowing that I was managing a project that actually I probably would never see the end of anyway. Yeah. So, what do you do? Just go to the franchise show and see what it's... So, pretty much. Yeah. Well, not, we didn't go to a show. Could have had a McDonald's one. <laughs> well, the thing, well, funny enough, that did play in our minds because we were used... I, I had experience of a franchise model, mm. so I knew what that involved so, and entailed. Our whole, our whole reason for going franchise is obviously Julie wasn't working at the time, so she was studying. So this needed to be a proper business, not like, and don't get me wrong, I've got no problem with hobby businesses, but we couldn't have a hobby business. It needed to be an income generational business. Probably not the right decision in, in, <laughs> in retrospect, but um, so we needed something that was scalable, something that could move up. And also, you know, I had had some, um, some illness while I was at Barclays. Um, I'd got post-viral fatigue syndrome and completely wiped me out for a significant period of time so I was conscious that you know if something happened with me Julie needed to be in a position that she could pick up the slack I mean we we said at the start you, you're now up to 300 under management uh, a, a decent estate agency but although it's more lettings and we'll come on to that journey do you think you would be where you are today if you weren't a franchise no I've, I, what, so a lot of people ask me this, why don't you go by yourself? Uh, I think a relationship with a franchise, a, a franchisee, franchisor, is, is always ups and downs. We'd had friends who'd been with um, a franchise before, a major international franchise, and they were very hands-on management. We were quite clear that we didn't want to be with somebody who was looking over your shoulder, telling you what hours to open, what charges to price, you know, when you needed to do this, how many stock you needed to order, and all of this stuff. We didn't want that, um, but we wanted something that had our back. Um, so, what does Martin? What does sorry? We loved property, me in particular. You loved property. I probably spent more time on right move pre Martin okay. than I did okay. than I have since. Okay, then. but but I I love eating, but it doesn't make me a, a good restaurateur. Well, when we decided, we decided it was something that we wanted to do together. It needs to be a decent business, and we obviously had to have an interest yeah. in it. It needs yeah. to be. So, so if, if if we go back to our thought process, um, apart from the fact that I didn't want to do a job interview ever again. You know, we looked at a number of different things. We looked at educational stuff. We looked at sports stuff. We looked at sports in education. We actually looked at things like Lego parties for like teaching kids how to do maths in school and stuff like that using Lego and Duplo. So we, we'd never gone in with a specific, we want to be estate agents. And we'd registered for a couple of franchise emails and stuff like that. And we got one from the property franchise group, but it was Martin Co. PLC at the time. Um, and we thought, yeah. Worst case scenario, we go down to Bournemouth and we have a nice weekend in Bournemouth. We didn't know it was in Bournemouth then, yeah, at yeah. that point. We, so, just, we, we just said, oh yeah, it's probably worth looking at, and, and that's what we did. Yeah. And we made so you're going to see Penny? Head, yes, we head did. Head down to see Penny. Um, I think it was the day after Start the... Uh, so Elijah, I'd had Elijah the 19th of November. This was February. This was in January, so Elijah was only three months old. And um, I'd obviously been out 
of the working mode for quite some years. So the thought of going down to well, for an interview. Julie was really intimidated thinking that I'm the weak link in this. And I'm, and she's kind of saying, look, we're going to have to rely on your CV, your management experience and all of these kind of things. So I'm sitting there going, okay, okay, okay. Um, but Penny's lovely. She's not, she's... Well, so Penny, Penny, Penny started, she started talking. So Chris, I can see your experience. Blah, blah, blah. Seven kids. I know. Six, six. Six, sorry. Six, and, then, and then literally, I think... I could have just walked out and made myself a drink and Jerry and Penny could have had a chat and it was like everything that I'd done was irrelevant. It was just like, how, how do you manage all of that? You know, and how do you manage that household um, and university and stuff like that? And I think that was clearly the clincher. So. But she was like, oh, and you've got face-to-face -face experience with your paper threads and yeah. you've got face-to-face -face experience doing this. And Chris just I'm kind of going, hi, I'm here as well. <laughs> An awful lot of people put, give themselves reasons why they shouldn't do it. Yes. And I think that's one of the good things about us is we're almost naively dipping our toes in stuff all of the time. So I think we put out, we, we seem to, and I don't know whether it's intentional or not, put ourselves into situations where those kind of things can happen. Um, and therefore, the more likely to happen, the more times you dip your toes in. This is an example, you know what I mean? We could have just stayed in sunny Sunderland and enjoyed all of that lovely weather that we have up on the uh, the northeast coast. Um, but, you know, we like to open ourselves up to different experiences, not with any intention, not with any, oh, I wonder what we could get off the back of this, but just opening ourselves up to opportunities. Do you think you could have either of you done it if you were on your own? No. Without the other one, not a chance. We, we were well, waste so we, we've had experience. Julie cut off. No, 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 because when I did, it, I didn't, there wasn't that balance. We both bring things to the different. we both bring something different to the business, which balances it. And although I think what you said is, if it was just you, it would fail. And it probably would because you don't do the background. If it was just me, we, it would have failed within weeks. <laughs> it would have failed. With, I'd have had Are you a big picture person and. The deep. That's strange yeah. because big picture, but normally and doesn't like the the micro small picture. But then you said you're a perfectionist. How do, how, so have you got a, a bi? Are you bipolar or something? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's been it's been said it's it's not, been said a million times. Bipolar, but or yeah, yeah, a little bit of ADHD. More than a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, that's that's interesting because I've had I've had quite a few people on that sofa. Exceptional estate agents. You need. You need the people skills, but normally people with people skills are not very good at detail. Yeah. But if you've got the people skills and have some kind of on the slight scale of ADHD, it is actually almost a super weapon. I mean, I'm not. I've, I've, no, 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 hundred percent. So, so my view. Let, let me take a couple of seconds on this. So, I didn't even know that ADHD was a thing, other than for naughty kids. Um, First of all, I've had no diagnosis whatsoever or anything like that. I had an experience a year ago, I've, I've, ter I've terrible understanding of time, but I'd had an experience within the last 12, 18 months and I'd secured, I can't even remember which deal it was, now, I'd secured a huge deal, like the biggest deal we'd ever done. And I was absolutely buzzing. I came into the office, told Julius, absolutely bouncing off the walls. Um, couldn't believe how excited it was going to be for our business and stuff like that. 
And by the time Julie had come home and all of that adrenaline had drained out my body, I was asleep and I just wanted to be asleep. I just did not want to be awake. I'd completely crashed. Um, not, in a, not in a bad way, not in a dangerous way. I just literally want, I didn't want to be awake anymore. So I'd gone to sleep about four o'clock, five o'clock, something like that. Woke up the next day. I was supposed to be at a, a networking event the next morning, ironically about mental health. Um, and it was on at 10 o'clock. And it was like half past nine. I was just like, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And then for some reason, I just went, I need to go. So I'd gone, pair of tracksuit bottoms, scruffy T-shirt, scruffy trainers and stuff like that. And they were talking about ADHD. And this woman was on stage talking about it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, has she been like following me my entire life? And it was just like that. I can still remember every single detail of that day, what people were wearing. It was just like, a light bulb just went on in my head and then I think that awareness has you know I went through the normal ah no that's not really me I need to know everything about it now I don't want to know anything about it and the whole range that of things itself, that you that go whole through process yeah. was yeah. just focus no focus whatsoever hyperfocus no focus whatsoever but it's given me a bit of an awareness you know the kind of condition it is it still affects you but kind of I guess I'm able to sometimes jump out of my head and have a helicopter Yeah, sit down watching me and kind of saying, yes, I know I'm going through this. And, and you can't stop yourself going through those emotions, but at the same time, I'm sitting out there going, it's not raining, it's not going to yeah. last. But it's self-awareness is such a, a superpower. It is, and I've really struggled for self-awareness for so long, um, and I've been really harsh on myself. But in this last 12, 18 months, once I accepted it, yeah. um, it is a superpower, and for me, for me, the biggest stigma in mental health is mental, the mental bit. You know, it's not mental health, it's just health. You know, if I'd had, it's a real frustration of me. If I'd been in a car accident and I'd hit my head and there was, you know, brain damage off, and I couldn't concentrate and I couldn't focus because of a car accident, everybody would bend over backwards to help you and stuff because it's something tangible and something you can see, something you can understand. When it's just, well, that's the way that my brain works, that's the way that the synapses connect together, people are just like, well, I don't understand that, so it can't be the same. You know, it, it, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's not physical health and mental health, it's just health. I think when you have that self-awareness, you can manage yourself and your life and different things. So there's a lot of things that we've put in place at work, yeah. just just from a working point of view, and say, okay, well, this is how I work. So I have to block my diary. Don't be putting viewings or like little itty bitty meetings because I'll get nothing done then. I either do appraisals in the morning or afternoon. Um, and, and just understanding ADHD and how it affects you and how you I think work it, yeah, I think has helped us a lot yeah, within the business. I think once you understand it, it's no different than it. It's not a weakness. It, in some things, it's a strength, and in other things, it's a weakness. If Julie wasn't there, it would be a massive weakness because all of those details, things, and paying people and stuff like that kind of important things wouldn't happen. But I think once you were aware of it, um, it's just like any shortfall. Some people are good at speaking to people, others aren't. And you build your team and you build your business around that. So if you're detail and your follow-up and stuff like that my follow-up is terrible the amount of business that i've probably lost by winning the instruction in the actual instruction and then not following it up you know i, I could have probably retired 
two years ago but then you build a team around that and say well if that's not my strength let's build a team that builds on that do the team recognize these strengths? yes the team know the team the team know and they know how chris works and they know how i work and i think sometimes i think you can spend too much time developing trying to make people's weaknesses better or, or say oh it's trying to create sort of a level playing field where really we've kind of changed our perspective and say right this is something that you're really good at yeah. let's so, push that we'll get somebody else to deal with the weaknesses that will be somebody else's strengths so we've got a member of staff who's very very good at the follow-up so when Chris does an appraisal she does all the follow-up now so literally so, if I do the appraisal I'll go back I'll write up the appraisal I'll either send it on to her so that she can forward on and introduce herself, or I will send it on to the client and say, here's the appraisal. I've copied in Sarah so you know, she can follow up and answer any questions. You, you know, so it's kind of closing off those gaps. I think it's important to do that, but at the same time, I think it's important not to draw too much attention to it and make it this big thing because then it maintains that stigma. You know, it's just... This is my way of working. This is my strength and this is my weakness. It doesn't really matter what causes that strength and weakness. But when I was at Barclays, we instituted a, um, a program um, which was based on people's strengths. Um, it was a program called Strength Finder, and it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, and it talks about strengths not necessarily being the things that you're good at, but the things that motivate you and excite you. You know, so when I did that, it was like reading. Reading a story of my own life, creativity, futuristic ideation, all of these big, you know, looking for patterns and correlations in things. So you talk about detail and big picture. You know, I love my stats. I love my detail, but I don't love them for the sake of loving them. I love them for the story that it helps me to tell. And you think that by this awareness has made you a better person? Oh, 100%. 100%. I'll stand in front of a bunch of investors and I'll say... Did you know that you could buy a house in Sunderland for the same price in 2008, any time until 2021? And straight away, you know that you've got them because they've probably never heard that again. You know, if I say that as of last month, the average house price in Sunderland was £128,743, you know, they know that I'm not filling them with rubbish because I would have rounded it up. And it's, and it's done well for you, but also good for your business as well. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think self-awareness, understanding yourself and building on your strengths, don't beat yourself up for your weaknesses because you can, the, your weakness is somebody else's strength. So build your team uh, around that and don't beat yourself. You used to beat yourself up a lot. Oh, I, every time I lost an instruction, I used, if I lost the instruction because of me, I wouldn't be bothered if I lost it because I lost it for whatever reason. But if I had it, in my hand and I lost it because You've I didn't send them the contract or something. Yeah. I would absolutely beat myself up. I'd be like, there's another couple of grand gone straight out the door. Thank you for your insight. But I don't do it anymore. So now we're in 2023. Yeah. We, you've, you've had some acquisitions. Yeah. You're doing really well. Like we said at the start, seven kids, one marriage, 300 properties and a letting agency. What, um, you're in your forties, early forties, obviously. Yes. Mid. She's slightly midder than me, but okay. Yeah. What does what's the future hold for Chris and Julie? Ah, oh, grandkids. <laughs> you know. You've got married and wants to marry them. Yeah, yeah. Our, our eldest is married. Um, oh, we're not putting any pressure on her. No, no. no. You're um, not, you're not dying about here. No. 
So, for, what, 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 <laughs> what, what's, what's the future? I don't... This is maybe where Julie and I differ. Um, Julie has always got to have a plan. Always got to have a plan. Always got to have the next thing. Always got to know what's coming next. Always got to be working towards something. Whereas I'm much more... I wouldn't say opportunistic, but I'm trying to think of the word. Um, See what comes at you and deal with it when it gets here. And yeah, but that that almost sounds quite no. passive, but if you know what I mean. But it's... Make plans. No, I can't. This is, this is about understanding ADHD. It used to frustrate the hell out of him, me, because I'd say, right, I want to, are we going to go on holiday this year? Or what are we going to do about this? Because I now understand that, and I have to give him two choices and say which one. Because mm. if I say, what, where do you want to go for holiday? You just start thinking, the world's a big place, there's yeah. so many things. That I start analysing the entire holiday market in the world. That's yeah, where my mind goes. Just a choice. You're right. Yeah. right. And it just blows me out. So of, yeah. having, that, having that as happened with Chris has actually helped our relationship because I now know, right, I need to give you two options. So I, I'm the one... I feel myself six. being managed every day. <laughs> no, but it's rightly so. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on holiday. I don't know. Right, well, we can go to that hotel or that hotel. So now, actually, I don't even say that. I'll say, I'm doing this. Do you want to come or not? <laughs> um, or I've got this, or I'm going to take the kids to this place. Do you want to come with us? Yeah. Okay, but I well think, then I'll organise so, so Julie, Julie always has to have a plan. I'm kind of less planned, and I, I see what's coming up, but make those opportunities. So for me, you know, I think you've always got to be ready. We've always said this. You've always got to be ready to sell your business or expand your business. So that if if and when an opportunity comes along, you take it. Now that's not to say we're looking to sell our business. That's not to say we're looking to do a new acquisition. But that's kind of that that openness and readiness just means that you're there to jump on any opportunities as they come. We've never really planned to do acquisitions as such, but because we've had that open mindset, kind of when an opportunity come along and almost exclusively every one of those has approached us because of the relationship that we've built with us and we're going to talk about that yeah, yeah. do you think so, you've got a good deal as well because you have that relationship a hundred percent absolutely hundred percent we'll come on to that in a separate video boys and girls mm -hmm. so no so, we, because we've been able to act quickly and um, we're, we're open to things and, and just like when we decided to get married once yeah. we've made the decision it happens yeah i mean say somebody comes along today and just says here's a million quid for your business if you're not in a position, if you don't have your books and everything all, you know, you miss the chance of a lifetime. Or if somebody says, I'm about to shut my business, you can have it for a fiver, and you don't know, you, know, you don't have your process in place, you know, then again, you're stuffed. So you've got to put yourself in a position where at least it's your choice. And, and we've, turned, we, we've turned away opportunities because either it wasn't right at the time or just it wasn't the right opportunity. But at least you're sitting there going, that was our choice as opposed to it's being imposed on you. Than be acted on. And I think in business, what we've learned is you, you never actually stand still. If you look at any business, um, regardless of the industry, it's either moving forward or it's moving backwards. There's always movement there. You never just stand still. And if you as a business owner stand still, you're going back. You've got to always be looking and, this cut, yeah. and adapting. And more so, I think that's come in focus more particularly with covid how quickly you need to be able to change now a lot of businesses really really within the say agency really struggled really struggled with that those that were forward thinking and that were already 
even simple things like having um, cloud-based internet phones systems, um, people who were paperless, um, people who were doing, you know, 360 photography um, or, or, or their own photography. When COVID came, those businesses were able to pivot much quickly, much more quicker and easier than a lot of other businesses. A lot of other businesses really struggled that weren't forward thinking. Or, now, I'm not saying, you know, nobody knew that COVID was going to happen in the way that it did. And, and the implications and how that would impact on us. But just looking and, and having that resilience built in for whatever, uh, putting processes in and just asking the questions, right? Well, if we lost power to our business, what would happen if? What yeah. would happen? What would happen if the internet went down? How would we access? But it's deeper what than that. As, it's deeper than that as well, though. It's like what again? One of the things that drives me in that continuous improvement is. What's a state agency going to look like in five years' time? You know, what's it going to look like in two years' time? What's the next thing? We might not buy it, but what's the next thing that might change things? We were the first agent in Sunderland to use a Matterport scan. And then we, when everybody started doing them on sales, we were doing them on international city centre lets in Sunderland yeah. because you get to use them every single year. And your students who were phoning up going, can you do a video or two? It's just like, here you go, here's a Matterport link. And it was brilliant for us. That was way before, I mean, well before COVID, before anybody was using them. So I think it, it's that ability to look forward and kind of predict and look what could be the game changer. Well, let's, let's get you back in five years' time and see where we are. Thank you for your time today. No problem. No problem.